The Third Men Podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun celebration of Jack White and is in no way directly affiliated with Third Man Records or the man himself. For the definitive history of Jack White and his music, please consult your local Jack White. And for everyone else looking for a home, you found one here, in a place so seedy. Enjoy! Welcome to the Third Band Podcast, part two of Going Solo. James, are you excited to be back? Yes, I'm very excited. This is the special part two. We understand it's ironic that the Going Solo show is the first show we've ever split into two episodes. You can stop writing us about that now. We get it, guys. We assure you, we're not breaking down. (laughs) (laughs) We don't need any of this hate mail. Let's, (laughs) Let's just, let's bring in the love. Yeah, let's, where, guys, hey, guys, uh, let me, let me be real with you. Where's the love, okay? Was Justin Timberlake saying that into a void? Were we not listening to Mr. Timberlake when he said, where is the love? The prophet Timberlake has spoken, (laughs) asking, where is the love? The love is right here. And if you can't see me, which I am almost sure you can't, because this is a purely audio format, but I'm pointing at my heart, Paul. Right yeah. No, I believe you. I believe you. it's like somebody took a Britney Spears right into your heart. And speaking of disastrous mistakes, it's time for our stop breaking down segment. Stop breaking down. Stop breaking down. Stop breaking down. Stop breaking down. Please stop breaking down. <laughs> Um, Stop Breaking Down is the segment of the show where we correct stuff we got wrong in prior episodes. And Paul, boy howdy, do we get things wrong. Oh yeah, you the fab listener, write in and point it out to us and we very much appreciate it. So please keep doing that. The Stop Breaking Down segment is a way for us all to be as factually correct as possible. Right, we strive to stop breaking down and we strive to start fixing up. Fix up, not break down. So this week's Stop Breaking Down comes from last week's part one episode where, James, you and I both independently of one another incorrectly pronounce Daniel Pujol's name. First I said Pujol, and then you said, no, no, it's Pujol. And according to the audio I found from the ICP introduction video on the Third Men YouTube page, they pronounce it Pujol. Really? So we were both wrong. Huh. I'm... James is Googling a thing. Yeah, no, I got it. It is Pujol. Yeah. Well, I'll be damned. So, I'm sorry, Mr. Pujol. I'll be hornswoggled myself, frankly. Like, who cares that much? That's our first correction. Our second is from Euclid Succotash on our Facebook group. Found a correction in a photo from our Olivia Jean episode where I incorrectly said that the image of Olivia playing guitar in a black dress with purple lighting was from her plugging the Bathtub Love Killings album. It is, in fact, from her performance with Wanda Jackson in Wanda Jackson's band. So thank you to Euclid for that correction. We have made it. We apologize. You are correct. Uh, a stop breaking down is not limited to our episodes. And it could also be I... photos. And no, we definitely got it wrong. And so we should just really stop breaking down. Yeah, to make you lose your mind. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay. And with that, we get into oh, part boy. two of Going Solo. Previously on Lost. To tell the story of Jack White going from a group member to a solo artist is really to tell the story of his journey to Nashville. Anytime I give myself free reign all the time, all the money, whatever, uh, everything in, in front of me, I, I it is not good for me. It, it, it makes me disinterested so he's keeping some detroit connections here even though he's down in nashville that's pretty cool you know he's he's making an effort at least to rise some of these groups up but he's also staying very well connected that's another big portion of this time frame is that he's really immersed in the nashville scene i do like the inclusion of the facial hair bit because it's definitely helping our podcast our secondary (laughs) spinoff podcast about jack white's facial hair We're seeing the transformation start to take place. We're, start, we're seeing the familiar faces start to pop up. Now we're seeing his face look more familiar. The Van Dyke is gone. <laughs> turkeys? Bring in the turkeys. More turkeys. And now, the conclusion. So then we hit April that year. A, a band called White Denim plays live at Third Man. Again, re- released later that year. You know, the Third Man dance card is pretty full. April 8th, we have Black Milk. He's a, he's a rapper. Very performs, good rapper. Yes, performs live at Third Man. Now, this performance is very significant, and we'll get into that later in the show. But I want you all at home and all of you at James to think about what makes... This particular performance significant in Jack White lore. Remember this black milk performance. The sort of general malaise that only the genius possess and the insane lament. It will be key, James. Okay, Paul, I'll remember. Moving on. Um, I am the gatekeeper. This performance is the key master. April 16th is Record Store Day. There's a really awesome video they release every year for what the different Third Man Record Store Day releases are going to be. Let's listen to that. First off, we've got a repressing of the White Stripes' first single. It's a song called Let's Shake Hands. It comes on red vinyl with black wisps on it. Truly out of sight. Secondly, we have a repressing of the White Stripes' second single. That song's called Lafayette Blues. And that's on white vinyl with black wisps. Tasty. Thirdly, what we're really excited about is the latest single from Karen Elson. Uh, The A-side is a cover of the Lou Reed song, Vicious. The record itself comes with peach-colored rose petals inside. Really, really exciting. Really, really revolutionary, too. Finally, for Record Store Day, we have the debut release of The Rome Project. The Rome Project has Danger Mouse, Daniel Lupi, Jack White, and Nora Jones. Comes in a nice glue pocket sleeve, black vinyl. Really, really exciting. Can't wait for everyone to hear this. And if for some reason you're a naysayer or someone who wants to talk smack about our Record Store Day releases or anything in general, uh, I'd like to leave you with one message, and that is... Invitamos este disco. Lo invitamos. Ah, so a pretty wide variety of releases that year. I'd say it's the widest I've ever seen. <laughs> And then for Record Store Day, Third Man does this really cool thing where they get Jerry Lee Lewis to perform live at Third Man. Wow, much better than Jerry Lewis to perform yeah. live at Third Man. <laughs> he became a bitter old man. Very sad. Yes. Meanwhile, speaking of bitter old men, Jerry Lee Lewis is playing with his foot still, and he's like 9,000 years old. He's great. He's still great. Yeah. That was released on LP and CD later that December. It's, it's really cool. This is from the Third Man YouTube channel. They talk about it. On Record Store Day in Nashville, Tennessee, a living, breathing, walking saint visited Third Man Records and threw down the heavy boogie-woogie live on stage. Backed by some of the best rock and roll musicians in the business, Steve Cropper, Little Jack Lawrence, hey, and Jim Keltner, who what? you might remember of from Paul McCartney fame and the Traveling Woolberries. Jim Keltner played with, I think, all of the Beatles at some point. Yeah, I was like, when I was watching this video, I was like, is that Jim Keltner back there? Because that man hasn't aged since 1973. The description here, the, the killer himself played a raucous set. I'm going to do this in my Jackson. The killer himself played a raucous set of his classic hits, as well as some rock and roll and country standards. I saw grown men weep and children dancing in the streets. It was beautiful. Once in a lifetime moment, you can now hear it all on gorgeous slab of vinyl. <laughs> Yours to own uh, a gorgeous slab of vinyl. Let's, let's play a little bit of Jerry Lee Lewis' set. Tell me, baby, why you been 
he can still rock it. May of that year, Ted Leo performs live at Third Man, again, released later that year. That's an indie rock group. Sure. So up-and-comers as well as old-timers. Jack's playing with his heroes as well as the other. You know, he's, he's really, he's still running that gamut. Then we come to one of my favorite parts of this year, because on May 13th, 2011, the awesome album Rome by Danger Mouse and Danielle Lupi. Italian composer. Featuring Jack White and Nora Jones is released. Now, I love this record. I had no idea what it was when it came out, but it was a yet another thing where I was like, Jack is obviously busy doing stuff. So for those of you who don't know, this is an album release, you know, primarily helmed by Danger Mouse, but it's really a union of Danger Mouse and Daniel Lupi, and it's inspired by music from Spaghetti Westerns. Uh, Daniel Lupi is an Italian composer who did like a lot of classic themes for that Spaghetti Western genre, and they basically mixed that with kind of like hip-hop and dramatic pop music and got Elmas Morricone just like Morricone yes the story goes of how Jack got involved in this project this is uh, via The Guardian's interviewed with Danger Mouse he said for the lead vocalist I definitely wanted a man and a woman the female vocal needed to be soft not polarizing but the male vocal needed to have a bit more angst to it I played some of the music for Jack White when I was on tour shortly after doing the first session, just to show him what I was doing, because at the time everybody thought that I was just a hip-hop guy or whatever. He liked it, but at the time I wasn't thinking of using him. You know, it's Jack White. But in the end, I thought, he's really into it. Why not? We all understood that if it didn't work, it didn't work, but he tried it in different voices, a high voice, a low voice, and I thought, why don't we leave them all in? (laughs) It sounded great. There's a bunch of vocals on Rose with a broken neck, and it doesn't always sound like him sometimes. You're like, is that Jack or is it not? He went on to say via a, an interview with Quietus, I emailed him because he really responded to and loved the music. So I asked him, what about singing on it? And he said, sure, because he was looking for something unique. On all the songs, he doubled his vocals, the high and the low. Initially, it was done to see which one would work best. And in the end, we just said it sounded good with both of them on there. Huh. There's a very long interview with Jack about this on a website called Clash Music that's really awesome. But I just want to read some snippets from this because it's really, really cool. Brian played it for Brian, I guess, is Danger Mouse's real name. Brian played it for me in the studio. He'd come by when the Stripes were working on Icky Thump. Uh, so that's wow. when he approached him initially. That's so this a while is while ago. A four-year process. A month later, he called me and asked if I'd be interested in being the male voice. He wanted a a female and a male voice in the record. Say, yeah, I'd love to do that. My mouth started watering about how they'd gone over and got the original musicians from Ennio Morricone's soundtracks to perform the music. Ah, there we go. There you go. I was apprehensive because those kind of projects, a lot of times there's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. So the chances are people are going to end up not liking what I'm putting down. <laughs> That's happened a lot of other times with movie things, where you've got to get in sort of sell yourself to other people, which is not a very comfortable place for me to be in. Mm. I tried a new technique where I drove a car around and listening to the music, and I had a handheld recorder in my hand, and I sang to all the instrumentals, all the songs, and I just sang whatever came to mind as I drove around Nashville. So he, he pulled the uh, Alison Mosshart writing technique, as explained in her Dead Weather Dodge and Burn video, as how she writes songs. Yeah, uh, just just like that. And and so this is another thing kind of like the Hank Williams compilation Jack contributed right. to, which which we'll talk about later in the show. But it's another time where he was approached with bits and pieces of music or lyrics and said, okay, finish this. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, well, it's a cool collab. <laughs> it's a cool collaboration for Jack to be involved in Danger Mouse. And it actually makes a lot of sense because they seem to have a lot of musical overlap. And then just this last bit of the interview, it says, well, I'm off the road for a while, so it'd be nice to play a couple of shows, especially with that project to see it all come together. Live would be really incredible, Ooh. which is Funny because the songs he worked on, he actually played one of them live uh, on the on the Blunderbuss tour, which we saw at Radio City. Huh. Yeah, he he played two against one, uh, and this. Yeah. All right. and if it looks to me like you and your reflection, plan to add to all this dimension. Yeah. Then you should try to make. 
those of you who don't know, Jack contributed to three songs on the album, contributed lyrics, that is. Uh, track two, The Rose with the Broken Neck. Track seven, Two Against One. And track ten, The World. We played a little bit of Two Against One. This, this is from the Clash interview. This is him describing what Two Against One is about. He says, I think it's any artist. You have that feeling of you against the world. You miss out on a large portion of what your passion can come from. Sometimes it's a blessing to have that feeling. Sometimes it's a curse. Yeah. <laughs> I'm guessing. is the next thing he was going to say. I guess. So anyway, that album comes out uh, via Third Man, too. And, uh, you know, it's a really cool release. If you haven't checked it out, you should definitely pick it up. So May 24th, we have uh, Chris Tile and Michael Daves release a single called Man in the Middle via Third Man. They're a bluegrass duo, and Jack plays drums and produces. And the single also produces Ruby Amanfu. So obviously, he liked what Ruby was putting down on the Wanda Jackson tour. Yeah. Enough to use her on this record. Maybe use her somewhere else. Possibly. June 2011 gives us C6 Steve's LP, You Can't Teach an Old Dog New Tricks. <laughs> This album features John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin, nice. like pretty prominently, <laughs> like in that he's all over it. Wow, that's pretty good. I sort of remember this one coming out and thinking, I don't know what this is, but I'm going to definitely do a dive back into it. Go on, take a deep dive. <laughs> Have you ever listened to this one? Uh, I've never listened to the whole album, but I've listened to assorted C6 Steve stuff that has songs from this album. Third Man handled U.S. distribution only of this record. It seemed like C6 Steve had his own kind of situation going on with uh, with some other labels. Right, lots of boats just handing them out to different assorted ships. Right, <laughs> yes. <laughs> he looks like he would do that, too. He looks like an extra from friggin' Pirates of the Caribbean. Right, he's the sea uh, captain from The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Har, har, har. Tis a sugary brine. Oh, once again, our Simpsons references are on <laughs> point. So the, the single release from this album, Write Me a Few Lines, was released on the Blue Series banner. On this record, we get backing vocals by Ruby Amonfu. Again, nice. We get Fiddle by Fats Kaplan. Jack White plays the drums. Jack Lawrence is on bass. Like, wow. this thing is like a, a combo of a lot of Jackalites. Yeah. He's putting you out know. solo album after solo album just under the guise of so many other people. And then in July 2011, we get a little thing called Brain, which is a single by Black Milk. And James, did I, did I not mention to remember Black Milk? I mean... Earlier in this podcast... I may have forgotten, Paul. I'm really sorry. Well, I told you to remember the black milk! <laughs> I, look, all right. I, and here's not... why. Okay. With the black milk comes another figure in the third maniverse. That sounded really creepy. Yeah, with that explanation, I'm going to say it's Vincent Price, maybe? <laughs> <laughs> another Jack White solo musician enters the picture... Our personal favorite, oh, and my and my own personal Kango hat model. Can we get a drum roll for the best drummer of all time, Mr. Jaru Jones? <laughs> yeah. We know that. Jaru, Jaru, Jaru. What's that Jaru though? Brooklyn's own Darujo. Oh, but Darujo. <laughs> oh, but that Daru. He's so good. He's really um, good. So I was like, hey, that drumming sounds kind of familiar. So I looked into, like, who played on this Black Milk single, and freaking Daru's name popped up, and I lost my mind. <laughs> um, so one of the songs on this thing is called Royal Mega. Let's play a little bit of that. Oh. 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 Yeah. Yeah. 
Easter. New rapture, news that flew faster. Enemy slave, history's made. New chapter. It's nothing new. The endless rules this dude captures. So watch his moves in every move that moves after. So like you can hear that Daru on there. Oh, totally. Um, Jack plays guitar on this and co-produces it. Fats Kaplan plays fiddle on this thing. Nice. <laughs> One of the few times you get fiddle on a hip-hop record. Daru Jones. Uh, where do I begin? Uh, I, I, I'm just going to cover this really quickly here because I think we're going to get a Daru show perhaps. Uh, Two, perhaps he's, three. Maybe, yeah. He's from Michigan, not far from Detroit. The youngest of three children. So, youngest child, not far from Detroit. Boom, in common with Jack. He started playing music through church. Another Jack similarity. He has no formal music training whatsoever. He became associated with a singer called A.B. Abernathy. uh, And through A.B. came uh, a hip-hop group called Slum Village, whom Daru then began to play with. Mm -hmm. Through his involvement in this scene, he joined up with rapper Black Milk. This is via an Esquire interview with Daru Jones. He says, Black Milk brought along his band and performed a full-length concert at Third Man for a crowd of 300 or so. It was here that Jones really made an impression on White. As Jones recalls, Jack is a drummer himself. So in our set, there's a song called Losing Out and I have a drum solo. So I did the solo. Jack was all the way in the back of the stage and he ran to the front and was all like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I could just see that happening. I I see him in full crouch in front of the bass drum. Just like hearing a pound going, yeah. <laughs> Rizza cancels. He didn't want to send. He felt bad. He didn't want to send him home. And he was like, "Well, I got a couple of tunes I've been working on. We can try that out." And from what I was told, that's what started the Blunderbuss album. Nice. I had actually heard this in an interview before. So, it's... damn you, James! Look. I was so excited when I heard Look. that. <laughs> Oh man, uh, so that's really cool. I love that Daru is so key in the in the Blunderbuss album coming to coming to turn. I like that that's it really all cool. stems from Riz's bad timing. <laughs> it's all from his poor time management. <laughs> oh yes, August 2011 gives us uh, an artist named Lanny Lane he releases a single called "Ain't Hungry," and she's she's a blues singer. Jack plays bass and produces it. This song is too awesome not to play, so we're gonna play a little bit of it. Well, I'm hungry, but I ain't that hungry yet. (laughs) So I never heard this song before, but it's awesome. I I really got to love this thing. Yeah, I bought the single as a one-off at a a record store a while ago and uh, was really happy with it. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool. And speaking of one-offs that kind of caught our interest, something real weird happens on September 13th. Let's play a little bit of Jack White introducing this via the Third Man YouTube page. Now, Jack, in the past two years with the Third Man Records Blues series, uh, you've covered a range of artists from Laura Marling to Pokey Lafarge, uh, Black Milk, Daniel Pujol, Dunyon. Uh, takes in a pretty wide range of uh, musical spectrum. Where do you think you're going to go next with the series? You know, I really don't know. I haven't thought about it too much. A lot of the records just uh, sort of happen. They're sort of spontaneous, so I I really couldn't say what the next record would be. So, as you heard, that's Jack introducing Lek Mick I'm Arch by the Insane Clown Posse. Oh, man. I mean, he's trying to help out Detroiters, I guess. Once again, Fats Kaplan plays fiddle. <laughs> Nothing against uh, all you ICP fans out there. They're just not my favorite. It's a weird combo. It's, yeah. It's very bizarre. 
I mean, hey, Jack's guitar work, real solid. Love it. It's great. Yeah. This is via the Third Man YouTube page. What do the Insane Clown Posse, Third Band Records, and Mozart have in common? Back in 82, <clears throat> 1782, Wolf, <laughs> Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart wrote a piece that's been left out of the spotlight ever since. The title of the piece is Lech mich I'm Arch or literally translated in English to lick me in the arse. <laughs> Understandably, this piece has figuratively been swept under the rug. So who better to give this piece its due respect than the wildly successful, much misunderstood, and divisive Southwest Detroit rapper's insane clown posse? The Detroit thing, I think that's what did it. Yeah. <laughs> With fellow Southwest Detroit-born Jack White at the production helm and musical backing by Nashville's very own Jeff the Brotherhood, this 2011 version of Lech mich I'm Arsch marries Mozart's melody and lyrics sung in operatic German with ICP's poignant lyrical edition in English. Yeah, got all that Mozart and They do say stuff uh, like that. It's very weird. It's crazy. It's crazy. September 20th, give another Karen Elson single. She's pretty active during this, but you'll notice a trend, which I'll bring up later. Jack produces this one. Olivia's on guitar and LJ's on the bass. Mm -hmm. Okay, remember this single. Okay. Also on September 20th, Alabama Shakes record at Third Man Records the single Be Mine backed with You Ain't Alone. Jack gets in on the ground floor of these guys because the following April, their album Boys and Girls would become a smash success, leading to their album going top 10 and three Grammy nominations. Mm -hmm. But Jack was there to kind of help boast of them along. He's got a good ear for talent to pick out these people as the huge musical forces that they would become and were in the process of becoming. Right. And Alabama Shakes actually opened for Jack on the Blunderbuss tour, which I saw the following year at Roseland. Nice. But yeah, it's it, it's really cool to sort of see the pieces of the Blunderbuss era fall into place because now I'm seeing, oh, okay, I saw them open for Jack, you know. No longer are they missing pieces. <laughs> on September 23rd, we get a guy named Neil Hamburger does a stand-up comedy set at Third Man. Wait a minute. It's produced by Jack and released as a live record the following February. I think I know this guy. He's a stand-up comedian character played by comedian and musician Greg Turkington. <laughs> yeah, he's friends with, like, Tom Green and stuff. He's a very famous stand-up comedian. Oh, there you go. Yeah, bizarre. So, also on September 23rd, Human Eye plays a set at Third Man. Again, released later that year, produced by Jack. This is a Detroit band featuring a guy named Tibby Volger. <laughs> yeah, I... Look, Third Man's dance card is obviously very full. They're doing a lot of these kinds of shows. We see a lot of Detroit acts come through here. You know, he's still reveling in his Detroit roots, so he's not given up on Detroit in general. Right. On September the 27th, the Black Bells release uh, Honky Tonk Horror. Jack produces. We, we covered a lot of the Black Bells on our Olivia Jean show. Mm-hmm. Again, if you haven't heard that song, it's great. And then in October is the Hank Williams album, The Lost Notebooks of Hank Williams, is released. And it features a, the Jack White contribution, You Know That I Know. great song jack wrote the score for this basically in conjunction with the lyrics he was given and that were written by hank williams the background of this is that hank williams died at age 29 which by the way i did not know yeah uh, he was that young uh, on his way on his way to a gig on new year's day in canton ohio he died inside of his cadillac in a car crash like like you said and the police found unfinished handwritten lyrics of songs he never recorded in the car i guess mm-hmm. In 2006, a janitor working at Sony ATV Music claimed to have found the lyrics in a dumpster. And after a legal kerfuffle to prove the janitor was telling the truth, the songs were returned to Sony and given to Bob Dylan to Shepard. <laughs> like, this this sounds like um, the Da Vinci Code of <laughs> of music. Like, Bob Dylan is the Tom Hanks of the... Like, he's piecing it all together. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I found it in a dumpster. <laughs> like... 
like there's like hierarchies of popes and stuff in in the music world of all these people trying to shepherd this journal to to give it to the right people right right and dylan as we know from our raconteurs show and from uh our some of our other show earlier in this show dylan is a friend of jack's and he gave one of the songs to jack and actually he gave a stack of songs to jack and i guess he gave a stack to other artists who appeared on there also alan jackson lucinda williams vince gill rodney crawwell patty loveless levon helm nice Jacob Dylan, Cheryl Crow, Merle Haggard, and then Jack White. So this is a via an interview with The Guardian. White discusses his song, You Know That I Know, in a 2009 interview uncovered by 24-Bit. Dylan sent over a pile of notes, he said. And there was this one about this girl with red hair, and I went, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> White explains that he lives on the same Nashville street that Williams used to. I prayed to God. I said, please. Hank was walking on this street at one point, and I'm sitting here now. Let it happen again. And it happened in five minutes, and that song came out. It was so cool. I was so thankful to be an antenna like that for a second, because Hank wrote the song, Let It Be an Antenna Again. It's crazy. Crazy jumble of words, Jack. Basically, twice in this year, on projects he had been working on for years prior... Are, are these songs that he contributed a part or piece of a song to, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. On October the 26th, the album Aktun Baby yeah. uh, is released. <laughs> <laughs> it is a tribute album of U2 cover songs from their album Aktun Baby from 1991. Cool. And uh, on it are such artists as Nine Inch Nails, Garbage, Depeche Mode, Snow Patrol, The Killers, and Jack White contributed a song to this album as well. All right. So they reached back to 90s alternative rockers, I guess. Uh, yes. Uh, so Jack did the song Love is Blindness. And this is another song. When it came out at the time, I was like, hey, Jack's doing things. What on earth is he doing? Like, he seemed to be doing all this random stuff. I remember talking to my wife on the way into, like, an Ikea, and I was just telling her, like, yeah, you know, he's doing this U2 cover and this Wanda Jackson thing, and that's really cool, but I don't really understand what's (laughs) happening here. And I was, like, getting a little worried. I was like, is he just not going to release an album? He's just doing all these random things. And, again, I'm thinking, like, I I feel that way now a little bit. I'm like, come on, just put out an album already. (laughs) This album actually, I guess, peaked at number 53 on the Billboard charts. I didn't even know it charted. Uh, Jack wound up repurposing the songs for both the B-side of 16 Saltines later the next year and on the great gatsby movie soundtrack in which it appears yeah it was the the main song they put on for the theatrical trailers it's great version of the song let's listen to a little bit of that it's got the precursor to the sound that you can hear on i'm shaken oh yeah it's got that weird like little squeaks and squeals that he does yes totally um that's really cool yeah this is via rolling stone before white entered the studio the guitarist engaged in brainstorming sessions with jay-z oh yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) who in addition to his duties as executive producer also wrote and performed the original song a hundred dollar bill i talked to jay-z a lot white says we went back and forth on a lot of ideas but the one i kept thinking about the one that was interesting just for me was the love is blindness track uh, White was confident that his gritty rendition, one he characterizes as almost violent, would fit in well with director Baz Luhrmann's vision for F. Scott Fitzgerald's iconic tale of wealth, privilege, and deception. So he's talking about the Great Gatsby soundtrack. I could imagine it in a hundred different scenarios, he says. Jack White first recorded his cover of Love is Blindness in 2011 at the request of The Edge. I guess, so I guess The Edge asked him to do it? Obviously. They were working a lot together at the time, yeah. Yeah, he knew him from... It might get left. 
Yes. So Jack said, I get requests for some kind of compilation, duet, or tribute albums twice a week. (laughs) And I always say no. I can't stand 99% of them. They're just wastes of time. (laughs) But this one one was different because I've been connected to The Edge ever since we made the guitar film, he calls it. The guitar film! He says, I thought, well, this feels real close to me. As long as I could do Love is Blindness. Nice. White ended up so pleased with his version. Uh, This was bigger than just a tribute record, he explains. It came off so powerful. We had to ask if we could put it somewhere else. So basically he was like, hey, this is a really cool idea you had. I'm going to use it a bunch of different places, though. (laughs) Because these things are normally a waste of time. (laughs) Man, I wonder how that licensing agreement worked. I know, I know. So back at Third Man Records, we have a uh, the David Lipscomb High School Chorus performs The Lord Bless and Keep You and Ride on King Jesus, which was released as a live <laughs> single on Third Man. Yeah, the whole Boys and Girls Chorus uh, single set. Yeah, uh, so Third Man, you know, it ke- keeps doing very eclectic stuff throughout this period. But you can tell, it's evident he kind of steps back a little bit from this point on, so you can tell he's working on Blunderbuss. Uh, I'm not sure at what point he actually does begin working on that beyond the evidence we have of Daru talking about it being started earlier, but you can see him kind of fade to the background a little bit here. So we have the Black Bell self-titled debut album released on November 28th. On November 29th, uh, we have two singles released by Jack's famous buddy, John C. Riley. <laughs> John and Tom's Gonna Lay Down My Old Guitar single is released. What should we do, Tom? Well, I think maybe we'll do one... Uh... Hi, Sean. Hey, John. <laughs> Good to see you. I'm not used to all these microphones. We usually sing around just the one, but... That's true, isn't it? Jack produced that, played drums, percussion, bass, and organ. Nice. Gonna lay down my old guitar Gonna lay down my old guitar Oh, I wish I could tie it to my side And take it along with me There's no one to cry for me There's no one to cry for me I've wandered away so And then Becky and John's I'll Be There If You Ever Want single. There ain't no change strong enough to hold me. Ain't no breeze big enough so we never have seen a river that's too wide. There ain't no jail tight enough to lock me. Ain't no man big enough to stop me. I'll be there if you ever want me by your side. Jack produced and played drums on that one. That one also features Olivia Jean and Fats Kaplan. Mm-hmm. You know, their friendship is one I'd really like to go over on a later show, much like the Conan one, but, you know, just a, a brief overview of that. The pair first met backstage at a White Stripes gig over 10 years ago, brought together through a mutual connection to the show tune Mr. Cellophane. Riley was nominated for an Oscar for singing it in the 2002 film version of Chicago, and the song became part of the White Stripes set list soon after. Huh. So that's kind of like a funny meet cute for those two, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, there's a Mr. Cellophane. There's very there's no like real official versions of that song that I can find, except for one Vault release has it. I think. Oh yeah, yeah. I've been trying to look for that friggin' song. Call John C. Riley. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Stand on top of your bunk bed and scream into the night. So much aerobics in here. So many activities. Do step class. Other notable 2011 Third Man releases: Pokey Lafarge's Chitlin Cooking Time and Cheatin' 'em Gowney. Oh yeah. Which was arranged and produced by Jack. But you know there's chickens cooking way down there in Cheatham County Hill. It's chilling cooking time in Cheatham County, Cheatham County. I'll be caught in the damn Cheatham County Hill. And I'll pick the Cheatham County chicken cooking.
VR Hex single, Twist the Witch's Titty, produced by Jack, which I also bought from one of those dollar pins. Oh, man. And Edgar Oliver's spoken word poetry single, In the Park. So he's doing uh, different eclectic stuff. Mm -hmm. Then we come to 2012. So 2012 kicks off January 24th. Dwayne the Teenage Weirdo releases the single Postcard from Hell. (laughs) Produced by Jack, who also plays drums, electronic drums, and synth on it. I don't know if you've seen this guy. He's he's His name says it all. Yeah. Oh, he's definitely a teenage weirdo, for sure. And then that brings us to March of 2012, where on March 3rd, Jack White performs on SNL to plug the upcoming Blunderbuss album release, where he plays Love Interruption and 16 Saltines, which we went over on the television show. Wow, that is quite a journey to get Yeah, there. so like, yeah, and the, the Blunderbuss tour kicks off on March 8th at Third Man Records. He plays a number of places in the American South to start, including South by Southwest. He's back there. Now, it's at this point in the recap that I would try to show you footage of the Jack White show, or at least put up some photos of the Jack White Show, but they made it a policy that no one is allowed to take video, audio recordings, or photos because they wanted to provide us with a genuine concert experience. They wanted us to actually see concerts the way we used to. Go to the concert, watch it with your own eyes, remember it with your own mind, and then walk out with whatever memory you decide to keep. And so, you know, that really brings us up to the Blunderbuss release. Of course, the following April, the Blunderbuss LP is released on that 26th. And then you remember when I told you to remember that Karen Elson single earlier in the year? Yeah. Well, on April 19th, while Jack is away on the European leg of his Blunderbuss tour, the Karen Elson single Milk and Honey comes out on Third Man. And um, Karen produces this one herself. Ooh. Uh-oh. <laughs> cricket noises, cricket noises, cricket noises. <laughs> I thought that was kind of interesting. We're not gossiping, Jack, or Karen. We're not, <laughs> we're not gossiping, but... No. You know what that brings us to, James? Uh, I don't know, Paul. What does that bring us to? Well, it might bring us to... Ragged Bone is the segment of the show where we talk about the strange and unusual and uh, all-around funny and charming stuff we found when researching Jack White for these shows. Stuff that just doesn't quite fit in with everything, but hey, we found it pretty cool. Yeah, you'd call it the missing pieces, maybe. The bottoms of Jack's feet, perhaps. There you go. <laughs> where we force you all to walk on salt. There you go. Take me down to the police. So anyway, James, this is our... Do you know what? This is a very special rag and bone. Tonight on a very special rag and bone. Kung kung. We do our very first sequel rag and bone. Hey now. To a rag and bone that you started. Rag and bone that, two, rag harder? How could the same thing happen to the same guy so many times? This is in reference, I consider it a part two to our television episode, wherein you talked about the oldest living burlesque dancer, Tempest Storm. Well, that wasn't in the rag and bone, mind you. Ah, sh- I did mention her. It, it was... But the Rag and Bone was about the guy liking Rag and Bone as his favorite. All right. Well, in the television episode, you mentioned Tempest Storm, the oldest living burlesque dancer. Of course. How could I forget that lovely dancer? Well, I found that in 2012, and I did not know this, Jack White released a single by Tempest Storm on Third Man, which was an... (laughs) 
<laughs> which was an interview with Tempest conducted by Jack. Right. And the interview covers a, a litany of things, but the B-side is called Tempest's Never-Before-Revealed Advice for Young Women. <laughs> and I find that amazing. Yeah, no, that's pretty great. And even more amazing is it features, for some reason, bass by Dominic Davis and drums by Jack White. <laughs> Very good. Oh, Tempest. And, and this cover to this thing is amazing. It's the green series, so it's just, it's the green behind her, and she's just sort of looking up at... She's, like, channeling her inner Wanda Jackson, just sort of staring into nothing in particular. So I guess that was... They were doing a mock photo shoot for that album. Oh! The episode... That must have been what that is. Yeah, because they were shooting her. Although it was a blue background there, they must have either changed the hue in Photoshop or had a second photo shoot that was not that. You know, that may have been staged for the cameras. Or perhaps Tempest Storm used the magical powers she developed in her training as a witch's apprentice, twisting the witch's titty earlier that year. Ragamo! <laughs> With that, we're going to throw it to our third man this week. And welcome to our third man for this week, Vin Turo. Vin, how the hell are you? Good. Over going, Vin? Oversated from the, from the holiday. Con- <laughs> backed up, you know, not... <laughs> Not having <laughs> healthy BMs yet, but that's why we call you Vin. Too much turkey to turtle. <laughs> little by little, little pellets. Oh wow! This, <laughs> this is off Good to pod. a it's off to a great start. Um, so uh, Vin is a uh, a, a filmmaker, uh, modern day poet. I would call him a philosopher, and he's going to join us today to talk to us a little bit about the. Hank Williams album that Bob Dylan coordinated called The Lost Notebooks of Hank Williams. And Vin, you are our authority on Bob Dylan. Okay, so you're just gonna okay. that's on you now. Like sure, that, yeah, sure, that's sure, all sure. on you. Yeah. We've passed that burden on to you. Yes. Okay. Okay. I'm not a I'm not a canonical authority, but just nope. an authority. You know? Now you are. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> You've been canonized. Yeah, yeah. We sent smoke signals out of the Vatican. You are now the new Pope of Dylan. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'd love to hear more about this album was coordinated entirely with Jack White or just this one just this one song. Yeah, so the, basically the long and short of it is we covered a yeah. little bit on the show already, but the long and short of it is yeah. the when Hank Williams died in a car wreck on his way to a gig, I guess when the police discovered his body, they okay. also discovered you know, all of his belongings, some of which being stacks of lyrics to songs he had never recorded. And and, yeah, and none of them had any music attached to them whatsoever. It was just written lyrics. And so these things kind of languished for decades and decades. And at one point they were actually thrown away. They were discarded and a janitor. I think he was a super he was a superintendent, Eddie Murphy in the in the hit show, The Peaches. <laughs> uh, so, the uh, the handwritten lyrics were in the possession of Sony ATV, and anyway, yeah, they were discarded, and a janitor, yeah. a custodial engineer, if you if yeah. you like, unearthed these things. I don't know what he was doing fishing around in a Sony owned dumpster, but he was. Wow. Um, he found them dug them up and basically the long and short of it is once sony realized what they had and that the janitor was telling the truth of where he got these things sony bestowed the honor of coordinating this album project with bob dylan jesus Um, and when did this happen when did this 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 is all in the mid 2000s so this took okay this was a process long in the making so this is from this is via rolling stone i just i'll just read a little bit of background here dylan released the lp on his egyptian records label but he originally considered doing the entire thing himself sure Uh, sure. uh, mary martin the producer of the album said he realized it was too mighty a task uh so it evolved into a compilation and then dylan reached out to some of the artists himself including uh hank's granddaughter holly Uh, Holly said, I met him backstage after a show. He told me it was too much pressure to do it all himself, so he asked me to do one. It's a real honor. And so he kind of reached out to his friends, and and one of which being Jack White. Now, they had been friends for a little while, since the early 2000s, and during the Raconteurs episode, we played a little bit of them two on stage doing 
ball and a biscuit together. And then, of course, the raconteurs had opened for Bob Dylan in 2006. And I guess 06 wow. was his. Was that, that would have Tempest? been a sick show. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, I think Tempest was was later than that. 2006 was like Modern Times, I That's think. That's right. Yes. Yeah, yeah, modern yeah. Times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Modern Times. That's the one with Thunder on the Mountain, right? Yeah, sure. Yep. Yeah, yep. yeah I love that, Thunder on a, the Mountain. That, that's, yeah. uh, that's like a cover, right? That's not, it's sort of a cover. Sort of, I think. Yeah, right. Because, like, the Almond Brothers have kind of a weird version of yeah. it, too, but it's not all the way that song. It's just sort of part, part yeah. of it. Uh, anyway, I, lo- and- I loved Modern. That was actually the last one that I, like, really loved, I think, you know. Uh, Love and Theft and then Modern Times were both very dear to me. And after that, I kind of – I can't I can't uh, lie. I, I really didn't give the, the following uh, albums, including Tempest – multiple listens it's on my list of things to do like you know i can really listen to tempest again and i really just haven't done it you know i, I agree i modern yeah. times when i heard that i loved it and yeah. thunder on the mountain such a strong track and jack actually covered that one in 2010 yeah. with want with wanda jackson and uh I, I just remember being very happy he did that because you know dylan's version is great but he kind of livened it up gave it a little more of a rock and yeah. roll kick to it so jack um, white so yeah it's yeah, later on. But, I mean, yeah. uh, Dylan's is good, sure, too. Sure. Dylan's has got – it's more of that – I don't know if, what, what's really the word I'm looking for there. It's got kind of that uh, – oh, who's that guy who used to sing on the f***ing trains? James, help me out here. Uh, what, a guy you know from Jersey or an actual, like, uh, he, established an old, singer? Was it, was it the Showtime guys in the subway? <laughs> no, he's an old It's folk Showtime, Paul. Tom Waits, I think, only did shows on trains for a great many years. <laughs> I believe that. <laughs> it was a classy gig, man. And he thought he was on yeah. the moon. It was yeah. great. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, well, that's cool. That's like basically yeah. what Dylan's always done, right? He's always had, you know, he's always given songs that, you know, other more uh, heavier rock and rollers can do justice to, you know? Like yeah. back in the day with All Along the Watchtower. Uh, you sure. know, he loved, loved Hendrix's version, you know? Yeah. Often it kind of overshadows the original one, but then you can come back and you listen to the original and it has its own merit, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then there's the famed Battlestar Galactica version, uh, yeah. which uh, I, I think surpasses both, to be honest. And, oh, uh, yeah? <laughs> With all along the Watchtower? Oh, yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert for anyone who, uh, who didn't finish that a, a decade ago. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> so, that. me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I really appreciate that story about how Dylan gave these songs to Jack White because I've always wondered how that happens. Whenever you hear that, you know, one artist gave his song to another, like how the f- does that happen? You know what I mean? And like, yeah. if it's not if it's not their song that they've originally written to give, you know what I mean? They kind of have to have a certain prowess, I guess, to, yeah, to be the one. Or do they own the rights to it or something, and then they sell it to the guy? Or what? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I guess he was bestowed – he was the custodian of these <laughs> right. papers, so uh, – yeah. in the in the parental guidance <laughs> yeah. sense. So yeah. he was bestowing <laughs> yeah. these to, to others. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. From one he has a certain yeah. clout, too. Even if he didn't own it, I'm sure anybody would accept sure. anything Dylan had to yeah, say. Yeah, of course. Of course. He has that clout, yeah. And in this case, too, like, it was a stack of songs he gave Jack and just sort of said, hey, pick which one you want. I mean, it wasn't just sort of rando people either. It was like he gave one to Jacob Dylan. Like, he cool, gave one to cool. Levon Helm. Like, guys, Jacob really needs it, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. Poor Jacob. <laughs> I, uh, I, I, drove, I drove back from San Diego with one headlight. Yeah, it's a... It's a Nice. flowers. Real. I would love to hear Levon Helm's version. I'm living with the days that forever are gone, and a heart that does nothing but pine. Again, be 
I can't believe I never heard it, man. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, what's the matter with you, Vin? <laughs> I don't know. Jesus Christ. I don't know. It's a yay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so you know that I know. I mean, Jack, he talked about this a little bit on his acoustic tour. He basically he was given a few songs this year where he was asked to do a part of it. Danger Mouse collaborated with him this year, gave him just the music and no lyrics. Dylan collaborated with him this year by giving him just the lyrics and no music. So Jack lives on the same street as Hank Williams did. And I guess he used to, he would just sit outside of his house and try to channel whatever was in the Hank Williams ether. I guess he was satisfied with the result. At least he expressed as though he was. Now, Vin, you listen to this song, You Know That I Know. Impressions. What do you got? I listened to it only once, and I guess that was kind of Jack White kind of affecting that kind of style, right? That's not, you know, that kind of old country folk style of singing, you know, yeah. right? Yeah. So that was, I got from it, too, yeah. But it seemed authentic. My girlfriend was in the other room and I don't know how it, but she she's commented, "Oh yeah, like that really, I like that old style." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Oh shit, yeah, okay," you know. So I mean, I knew what he was doing there, but an outside party didn't. Well, I knew and, that you yeah, knew. Yeah, <laughs> you all did. Believe me. Um, <laughs> yeah, he. He really did, like, uh, without doing, like, a really bad Hank Williams impression, did yeah. a really good Hank Williams impression sure. in that song. Sure. I've listened to my fair share of, of the man, and uh, yeah, he did a pretty good job at, at doing the right vocal affectations sure. that Hank tends to have. It was good. I liked it. I, I wanted to hear more of it after it was over. I kind of let that YouTube link play, and it, and it segued into other things that I was enjoying at the time. The song is great. I, I, I love it, too. He, he played this one live a bunch. I, I think that old-timey sound that he was going for is, obviously, it's intentional to channel the Hank Williams thing, but yeah. it's also, you know, he's living in Nashville, and really, during this time frame, the one we're talking about in this show, is really him trying to immerse himself in the Nashville scene and, and the history and everything. So I think it begins with a tribute to Hank Williams, but it's really, it continues with a sort of overall stylistic shift for him to try and really match that sound. That's uh, great. Right. Yeah. That's, that's all the authentic thing to do. You know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, he's trying yeah. his best to get some country music cred under his belt. Right. Which, yeah, which he would later. He's got, you know, he works with Marco Price now. And so he's really trying. And, he, he, you know, he's he's absorbed himself into that Nashville scene and really loves it there. And I think during that Wanda Jackson interview, he talked a little bit about, yeah, he loves that he can just get on the phone with the Memphis Horns and have them come. And, you know, have these people that actually played on these records years ago can just be there and work with him. So. I wonder if he's ever played with Paul Birch. Do you guys know Paul Birch? No, I don't. But. He he's this kind of like you know I, I don't know I guess just his style of music I guess he'd be bigger years ago you know what I mean because he's really fucking good and uh, he was just up for a Grammy but he's, he lives in Nashville it's totally awesome Nashville folk Americana rock huh. and that would be cool if they got together maybe they have yeah he just came out with a new album too I think that was the one that was up for an award well I hope they hook up or something you know what I mean good on you Google Paul Birch people also search for Fats Kaplan yes hey. no I know <laughs> I think they did some stuff together yeah okay that's it that's the connection so <laughs> Paul Birch has collaborated for a long time with this guy named Fats Kaplan okay and I'm looking Fat- him up yeah yeah, Fats Kaplan is the fiddle player and theremin uh, player, theremin and occasional fiddleist. Yeah, that, that <laughs> plays with Jack White. He's been playing with no Jack. way. Yeah, he's been playing with Jack since about 2010, and continues to play with him to this day. And yeah, it looks like Fats Kaplan co-produced an album with Birch. Wow, uh, that's fucking great, man. Yeah, uh, Birch said, yeah. Fats shares my love of recording live as a group and performing without a set list. Knowing records by Charlie Patton and Jimmy Rogers as kids shaped the way we listen and perform. What, what, what was the second name you said? Jimmy Rogers? Yeah. Yeah, yeah that was the, yeah, Paul Birch just did an album that was like, similar to this album Dylan coordinated for Hank Williams. In yeah. a way, similar. Birch did one about Jimmy Rogers. It was like this narrative album, like love love letter to Jimmy Rogers or no something. No kidding. Wow. It's <laughs> great. I, I, that's awesome. Uh, yeah. We found more of a connection here than we thought we were going yeah. to, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
We all Googled the thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Fats Kaplan, Vin, if you've never seen, looks like the KFC Colonel's <laughs> cousin. He looks like the KFC Colonel and Ian Anderson from Jethro Tull had a baby. Yeah. He looks like <laughs> Colonel Sanders before he was a colonel and more of a yeah. private. Private, <laughs> private Sanders. <laughs> oh, man. What we're going to do, we'll, we'll play a little bit here of Jack talking about trying to channel Hank Williams. Well, it's, um, but it was interesting. Even in that pile, there were so many different choices, and it's very hard to understand what to do with that. And one of, the, one of them was even the, uh, the last song he ever wrote that was found on the floorboard of the car he died in. And the song had only one verse, and it was called On That Fateful Day. That was the name of the song. Who's going who's gonna to finish that one? <laughs> Maybe God did for him already. <laughs> but I saw the lyrics as I went through, and I first, when I first read this one, I, I thought, that's it, perfectly, that's the one. I, I don't have to read any further. I didn't even finish reading the, the song. I knew it was the one that I should try to you know, become an antenna for and see what I could do. And I live, I live on the same street Hank Williams actually lived on in Nashville. He lived a few doors down. They took his, his house isn't there anymore, but that's, uh, he lived not too far away. So for, one, for the first time, I asked somebody to really help me. I asked Hank to help me finish it. And uh, I don't really believe in uh, ghosts very much, but I do believe that maybe there was some sort of energy that's still uh, around there uh, of his or whatever inspired him. So even if I asked him indirectly, whatever maybe he inspired him might inspire me too. So uh, I took a stab at this one. It's called You Know That I Know. Yeah, that yeah, was we, really, really, really interesting. Yeah, it was all very, uh, very profound, yes. Yeah, I like his take. <laughs> it's a good take. Hot take. Hot take. Yeah. Hot yeah. take. <laughs> ben, any other uh, impressions on the song? No, no, just that I would, it definitely um, intrigued me to, to listen more, you know, right. yeah. to delve in. So. Cool. Fair enough, fair enough. And so I think that's going to do it for us here in the Third Man segment. Vin, is there anything you'd like to plug? Paul Birch, again, you know, uh, what you guys didn't know is that he's done three quarters of the soundtrack for my feature film, Victor Goodview. What? <laughs> yeah, really? yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Awesome. yeah. It has nothing if not a good soundtrack, the film. Nice. Anybody wow. who's seen it, who's who's incredibly uh, revolted by it, always comments on how much they like the music. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vin, you realize yeah. you are, uh, I think, two degrees away from uh, being best friends with Jack White. So you're going to have to go ahead and, and hook us up there with that with that birch, with that hot birch, that hot take hot birch. Best, nicest, best guy ever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah. So your your film is yeah. Victor Goodview, and where can people check it out? When can they check it out? Well, soon. Uh, I don't know if I'm being unethical at all by by mentioning that we are in the midst of signing uh, with Trauma Entertainment, the guys oh, who, nice. who made uh, Toxic Avenger. So nothing. We haven't closed yet, but it looks like it looks good. We're all very excited. We love Trauma. They're very supportive, and hopefully they uh, hopefully we're able to license them. And uh, yeah. You'll be able to watch watch our film Victor Goodview on their like trauma on demand platform, or hopefully see it in a theater either in L.A. in Austin or New York. One of those, all those, none of those. I don't know, but definitely it'll be available on uh, several platforms in the next few months. Hopefully, oh, yeah. that's awesome. All definitely, right. so hopefully, that's really cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, do, yeah. You, do you have a website people can check out? Or yeah, VictorGoodview.com. Nice. www.victorgoodview.com. It's on IMDb and there's a Facebook page. All leave something to be desired. Uh, this very small operation <laughs> we have now before we sign is not n- – none of us have good marketing uh, PR savvy. So, you know, the trailer's on there. It's pretty oh, good. nice. Nice. We will, uh, we'll provide a link <laughs> yeah. to that in the show notes. Everybody can yeah. go and check that out. And, yeah. uh, uh, Vin, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been an yeah. eye-opening and yeah. uh, overall janitorial experience. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. See you, Vin. All right. Bye-bye. Later. So, we've gone on this going solo journey together. Are we all feeling good? Is everybody okay with the conditions of our contract? Yeah. 
Are we all friends? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us this week. This has been just an incredible time putting these shows out for you, and we're really getting some great feedback. We know a bunch of you are subscribing to the show, and it's just really flattering to see that happen. And, you know, we're seeing those followers and those uh, those analytics tick up, as as they say. So, you know, we would have appreciated even one follower, but the fact that we have so many is, uh, is really flattering. Thank you. Yeah, it means a lot. Thank you guys from the bottom of our hearts. Yeah, and the uh, bottoms of our feet. <laughs> and the tip of our black gadgets. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thank you guys so much. We appreciate it. I'd like to thank Sam Kuber and Tom Valenti for our theme song, We're the Third Men. Um, yes. Thank you, Sam and Tom. Yeah, you guys did a kick-ass job. I would like to thank Susanna Roundtree for the intro and outro of our program. You can find her artwork on susanimated.com or Susanimated Tumblr. There you go. I'd like to thank our third man for this week, Vin Taturo. Thank you so much, Vin. We appreciate it. If you want to follow the show on Twitter, you can tweet at us at ThirdMenCast or use the hashtag ThirdMenPodcast. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash ThirdMen. Feel free to write us a comment, engage in some conversation. Yeah. Uh, If you want to see the original blog posts and all the photos and everything, well, you can see those on Facebook, but uh, you can also go to thethirdmen.wordpress.com. That's where all the shows are originally posted. Yeah. And if we got anything wrong, by all means, feel free to email us any corrections you got at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Yes. And please tell us. We want to hear these things. Um, We're also uh, on Tumblr. You could go to thirdmenpodcast.tumblr.com or just search thirdmenpodcast on Tumblr. Yep. If you don't care for iTunes or anything like that, you can find us on Podomatic, on Overcast, and I do a YouTube visualizer version of the show. It's, well, you can search The Third Men Podcast on YouTube. And subscribe. Please do. Yeah. Oh, and and we haven't mentioned this in a while. Please rate and review The Third Men on iTunes. It really helps us get the word out, get the show to more people. Obviously, we don't make any money off this whatsoever, so we don't advertise or anything like that. So the best way you can help us out is just to rate and review the podcast. As well as telling a friend who enjoys Jack White. that yeah you might like this if you know a fellow uh jack white weirdo that you think would enjoy the show please uh, tell him or her about it that'd be great yeah T- tell her to use that she could use the black gadgets in her hand to listen to it <laughs> that's all she thinks about <laughs> uh, thank you again james as always we'll be back next wednesday with an all-new episode but until then i'll be looking for a home i'll be looking for a home see you then good night for more information or to contact the show, visit thethirdmen.wordpress.com or email at thirdmenpodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at thirdmencast on Twitter and search The Third Men on Facebook. See you next time. It started in New Zealand because he loves European countries. Yeah, New Zealand is not a European yeah, country. Yeah. yeah, all right. It started in New Zealand. So many brownies. Paul, we're not going to finish this episode tonight. You know that. I got 40 minutes. All right. Oh, man. Why didn't we use that for the th- Halloween? Oh, yeah. That would have been good. Because poop. Jacuzzi boys. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the third man. <laughs> I'm allergic to this episode. I've already left the podcast because I've gone solo. <laughs> Welcome to my solo podcast. This is uh, this is called lonely, but I am that lonely yet. <laughs> called that white boy. White is capitalized because I'm talking about check white. <laughs> that white boy. <laughs> That's really good. Um. <laughs>